Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Keeping It Real, the IGN Movies podcast. This is Jim Vavidus, Stax. Uh, I am not joined today by my usual comrade-in-arms, Chris Carl. He is on the road. Uh, I am joined instead, through the wonders of technology, by Mr. Scott Kalura. Hey there. I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You are in New York. I am in L.A., and together we are IGN. <laughs> yeah it's crazy it is it? it's the 21st century I, I know i feel like i'm all like uh you know on on board the enterprise or something <laughs> who, who knew the wonders of technology well we have uh we have a few things to talk about uh this week um uh again this is uh not the usual way we do the podcast so if there are any sort of little audio uh issues uh sorry about that but this is about the best we could do since everybody else is on the road. Yeah, it was either that or Jim just talked to himself for 45 <laughs> minutes. God knows that's happened. Uh, <laughs> all right, well, uh, this weekend is the Super Bowl, and uh, they're, they're already, the, the Hollywood studios are already putting out a bunch of um, commercials and stuff. Uh, and uh, so we're going to be talking about those a little bit later in the podcast. Uh, there's G.I. Joe Retaliation, The Dictator. The Avengers, we've only, as of uh, today, we've only seen the 10-second sneak preview of it. But uh, we're also expecting stuff from John Carter, uh, as well as maybe some stuff even from uh, Universal. But they haven't quite acknowledged <laughs> yet whether or not they're they're having anything there. But uh, <clears throat> as always, let's uh, just dive into last weekend's box office. The Gray opened up with just under twenty million dollars, so that was a, a you know well uh, you know well deserved hit. I really enjoyed that film. Uh, and then Underworld Awakening, second place with twelve point four million, followed by uh, one for the money, eleven point five million. Red Tails, ten point four million, and then Man on a Ledge with should be more like man with only 8 million for a fifth place <laughs> debut. So that's not a very impressive debut at all. And, uh, just, uh, you know, pretty generic title, generic movie. Um, what, yeah. what do you think about the, you know, the, the gray and how it performed? I mean, Joe Carnahan certainly needed uh, a movie that opened up at number one last year was the a team and that, um, you know, that disappointed. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, you know, it, the thing is it's a, it's a good movie that had good buzz and I think the marketing campaign was pretty strong on it as well and it all just came together and Liam Neeson has this this revived career these days as a badass <laughs> it is and, pretty amazing the dude is almost 60 years old yeah and he's like a gentle guy too when you meet him yeah, isn't he yeah like, he's like he and he's like this big six foot five you know just uh you know I grew up little bit uh, in my childhood in ireland and uh he just reminded me of so many like old farmers from back there <laughs> right yeah <laughs> there's, there's something about him but you know now in movies he's just this you know towering you know like you said badass so it's yeah. interesting to see him uh <laughs> see him enjoy this newfound sort of uh cachet he has but the success of, of the film it, i guess it just shows that in people do still once in a while, listen to the critics, maybe or uh, a little bit. I mean, I think it just it just looked cool to, uh, to people. I mean, and and it's also it's January. Who knows? Maybe if this thing, if this movie had opened up, you know, in August, it would be a very different story. Um, True. You know, not everything Neeson has done since Taken has been a huge success. Um, 
But no, I think it just, you know, it, it got a lot of good buzz. It looked different enough. And, um, you know, I'm sure there's probably some segment of the country that's, you know, so tired of shoveling themselves out that to see Liam Neeson in, you know, neck deep in snow fighting for his life, they could probably relate to it. So. <laughs> Plus that Wolverine thing with the uh, broken bottles oh, on yeah. his hands. Yeah, that was, that was badass. Or as, as somebody put it, hobo boxing. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I'm like, wow. So, I feel bad for those. So was this was this the uh, second week then for Red Tails? Yeah, it was the, the the sophomore weekend for that movie. And you know, look, it's it's holding up okay. I mean, it's made about you know 34 or so million. Um, you know, uh, it's not probably not going to recoup back uh, the 93 million. Um, uh, you know, in the theatrical box office, but you know, the movie definitely has its following and uh, who knows you know with home video and stuff and and uh all that maybe maybe it'll maybe george lucas will actually get his money back is that 93 million is that's including the marketing yeah yeah the actual budget i think was uh just under 60 and Mm, uh, okay but we actually i have a um uh, a reader email here from a, a fellow named David Hill, who uh, he shot us a, a message about George Lucas and kind of taking us to task for, uh, as he puts it, the snide comments that keep coming up about Lucas. And he, he thinks mm. it's becoming a bit ridiculous in his words. Um, uh, let me just go ahead and read uh, some of his mail here. I understand you guys and some fans don't like the prequels, but there are a contingent of people like me who respect the prequel trilogy and understand what Lucas was doing with the films. Uh, there are things that the prequels do better than the original trilogy, such as lightsaber sequences, the scores, the introduction uh, of the inventive CGI and real-life uh, physical characters, such as CGI Yoda, Count Dooku, Darth Maul, General Grievous. Uh, people criticize the films from showing Anakin as a kid and kidifying it, but Lucas wanted to show the progression of how any of us could turn to evil. Um, blah, 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 blah. Um, he says... Uh, Lucas gets disrespected on your podcast like he is Michael Bay or Uwe Boll. He has given the public one of the greatest film mythologies of all time, a very good coming-of-age film in American Graffiti, one of the most influential director debuts of all time in THX 1138, produced one of the most beloved film franchises in Indiana Jones, though his story did severely hurt Kingdom of Crystal Skull, not to mention the impact Lucasfilm has had on the film industry with ILM, THX, uh, THX Sound, and the gaming industry. I think Lucas deserves more respect than you guys give him on the podcast. Uh, you know, I, I think, you know, I agree with several of those points. We, we never said that Lucas wasn't um, a, a particularly um, legendary figure in, in right. filmmaking. Uh, we've never disputed that. Um, you know, and if we bust his chops over Star Wars uh, or for the prequels, you know, he's he's a, 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 a an adult, a grown man with very deep pockets and um, has made his mark on the world and cinematic history. So, if, you know, if he he and his fans really can't take a few knocks over it, you know, you, you got to kind of get over that, too. Yeah. But I do see his point. I mean, we we uh, we are of that generation who did not respond uh, overall you know, favorably to the prequels. Um, I, you know, I like Revenge of the Sith uh, more than the other t- uh, two in the, in the prequel trilogy, but um, even that film has, you know, a lot of big flaws. Uh, 
I guess my ultimately my my issue with with Lucas is more that he continues to tinker, and that's putting it kindly, with his original movies. Yeah, he has this vision for them, but at a certain point, all artists just need to move on. And yeah, you know, kudos to him for for creating ILM and THX and and all that. But you know, it's the artists that work there too that have made those um, companies, you know, uh, stand the test of time and everything. Uh, yeah. But yeah, no, he's made, you know, early on he made some great movies. I, I just, my, my particular issue with Lucas is that he has a horrible ear, a very tin ear, and he's, he's better at uh, essentially creating the ideas for these mythologies like Indiana Jones and Star Wars than he necessarily is uh, at executing them just on his own. Uh, yeah, you know, and so I th- you know, I think it also. I think the the razzing that we give him at IGN in general comes from a place of disappointment because we know the the great stuff that he did, and we wish he was still making great great movies. You know, like I mean, I love THX, yeah. the American Graf- American Graffiti, and of course the original Star Wars films, and but there's no getting around the fact that the that the prequels are, are subpar when you see something like red tails mm. you know you want to talk about the tin ear yeah. for dialogue and that movie right? is horrible i i think yeah. i i disliked it even more than you and i was rooting yeah. for that movie too you know but... yeah i was too you know so i i think it's you know i think it's sort of a there's a disappointment there that he he's not able to do he's not fulfilling his promise or something yeah and no i'm sorry go ahead I was just going to say all this talk about him. He's always saying he wants to get back to making art films and small films. And I would love to, to see that because I think maybe that's what he really needs it, it, where he doesn't have all these toys and tools to play with. And he can just focus on, you know, yeah. You know, so, um, did, did he ever so, actually make an art film though, besides THX 1138? The, I think some of his stuff in, in film school, aside from the original, because, you know, the THX came from a short film that he made uh, in film school, uh, which was pretty kind of out there and artsy. And then there was some other stuff he did in film school as well, which was, you know, late 60s kind of wacky film school stuff. But uh, no, he never made any features, really. In THX 1138, the version with Robert Duvall, that, that's kind of a mainstream movie. I mean, it was released by Warner Brothers. You yeah, know, so. yeah, it was hard. It's, it's hardly, you know, his his small avant-garde film. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I guess a, another kind of um, uh, a parallel I might draw is, you know, I'm a huge Elvis fan. I love Elvis. And Elvis, like Lucas, was this very uh, uh, revolutionary kind of... <laughs> yes, that is Scott Calera's bat phone going off. Uh, Elvis was a very uh, revolutionary <laughs> um, figure, an artist, early on um and you know his his early stuff you know changed the world changed pop culture changed entertainment you know all of that but then he kind of pissed it away and he had you know different factors for that but you know it's very difficult to find somebody who's going to defend uh you know many of elvis's movies and recordings from you know most of the 1960s uh or even a lot of his stuff from the 70s you know when he you know 
essentially became a caricature of himself. Yeah. So, you know, I, I do kind of... Once he put the cape on. Yeah, right? yeah you know, yeah, that actually came from... Uh, he loved Captain Marvel, Shazam, as a kid. <laughs> really? So, yeah, the, the whole the, uh, the taking care of business lightning bolt and all that is the Shazam lightning bolt. <laughs> and, and it is definitely yeah. a Shazam-type cape, too. Yeah, yeah, no, it. he's got... He was a huge fan of all that and his... <laughs> pompadour and spit curl and the black hair he was like he, he had brown hair and like blondish brown hair and he dyed it black so that he would look like him so you know him and tony curtis but yeah so okay that's enough elvis stuff but my my, my the parallel i was drawing is that you know um you know elvis deserves a lot of credit and i'm sorry but also a lot of criticism and it, it doesn't make you any less of a fan to be able to you know discuss that kind of you know candidly and I, that's kind of the way I look at Lucas, too. Yeah. But uh, I think Mr. Lucas has chewed up just about enough of our podcast at this point. Let me just let's just close it out on this note. I, or it's a question. Did I know Elvis was an honorary like secret agent for Richard Nixon at one point, wasn't he? <laughs> no, he, he went to uh, the White House to get a, uh, a federal agent's like a narc badge. Uh, because he collected <laughs> badges and guns, uh, which is uh, amazing because he was, you know, all doped up on shit when he showed up at the uh, when he showed up at the White House, but you know, good for him. I was him. just wondering. <laughs> I was wondering if Lucas has ever had that honor as well. Uh, you know, who knows? Maybe, maybe he has. I'm sure back in the '70s he did a lot of crazy shit. You know, so. <laughs> but um, uh, all right. Well, moving on to other things. Um, this week we got our first official look at Daniel Craig as James Bond in Skyfall. And what makes this, you know, Bond photograph noteworthy is that he has a beard. He has this kind yeah. of Jason Statham-esque kind of beard. Um, not He doesn't look too different than how he did in Golden Compass, but um, he's got this, like, pretty cool, like, black peacoat on, and he's got the Walter PPK. And, and he's against this sort of dark... Uh, but neon lit background, and, and um, I, I guess it's supposed to be in Shanghai, but uh, it looked pretty cool. Uh, what are your thoughts on James Bond with a beard? I don't like the beard. Uh, I don't mind James Bond with a beard necessarily, but I don't like that particular beard. It looks a little too finely manicured or something. Well, he is a it's vain like... man. <laughs> <laughs> He is, isn't he? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I, I interviewed Daniel Craig last month for Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. And as I sat down to talk to him, I I noticed him look at my boots, uh, kind of like, n not with disgust, but maybe with a... <laughs> disappointment. <laughs> disappointment, yeah. And so, so I think Daniel Craig is also in tune with fashion. And yeah, he is <laughs> he a did bit not of a like my... horse. Yeah, wasn't it, um, uh, is it Tom Ford? Is that the designer? He's doing all like the Bond stuff, and he, he was he's Daniel Craig's own personal haberdasher, if you will. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I like the photo. I think it's better than that, you know, that Calvin Klein looking thing of him sitting by the pool that came out a few weeks ago. Um, yeah, I, I just wonder is is the bird uh, the bird the beard is that uh, you know just like is he undercover? Is he, is he on the run and just hasn't had time to shave? Or did Bond just wake up one day and said, you know, I really want to be scruffy now. <laughs> so, maybe, you know, what the hell? The sky is falling. I just give up. I'm going to grow a beard. Right. After, you know? <laughs> yeah, I really don't know. I'm not sure. Uh, I like the uh, the look of it. You know, it has an almost 
Blade Runner yeah. type look. Yeah, and also like a late 60s, um, you know, movies like uh, Point Blank and things like that. Like I, I, I kind of pictured him, you know, I picture him just sort of, you know, being, you know, walking around the streets of San Francisco or something or driving a Mustang. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I think um, Sam Mendes is certainly putting his own spin on the whole thing. So I'm, I'm curious to see sort of how it plays out. And um, and uh, yeah. Um, and other news, uh, <laughs> uh, the Avengers, the tens, they're now doing teasers for commercials. This is the ridiculous <laughs> age that we live in now where people are so chomping at the bit for any imagery. And, you know, look, we plead guilty here because we're the ones covering it. But, um, you know, they're putting out a 10-second tease of a 30-second commercial. So you'll, <laughs> you'll get one-third of the commercial days ahead of time, and it's a Super Bowl spot for the Avengers. But what makes it noteworthy is that at one point you see Iron Man being chased by what appears to be aliens or some sort of, uh, you know, aerial craft that are firing at him. Uh, what's your take on that? Do you think those were uh, alien ships, or is it just maybe uh, shield, uh, craft or. Well, uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I tried, I tried to frame advance those, those, those moments, uh, to see if I could get a You've look at what, yeah, what it was, you know, and so it seems like it's sort of like, um, an alien or a creature of some kind, almost riding like a, uh, like a, like a flying motorcycle for lack of a better term. It's Nicholas uh, Cage, isn't it? <laughs> right, it's Ghost Rider. It's the Ghost Rider tie-in, right? <laughs> oh no! <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think it's probably pr it's pretty clear, I guess, that the, these are the aliens, interdimensional beings, or whatever you want to call them, that are assisting Loki in his his campaign against Planet Earth. What you know, what they are, I couldn't really make out. Uh, um, I don't think they're human, though. It's the guys in the mocap suits who we've seen from all the set pictures. Right. Um, so maybe in the 30 second spot that we get this weekend, we'll actually get a better look at them. Uh, <laughs> you would think this is the time to, to really reveal some new footage because otherwise it's kind of like, it's that same shot of the Hulk again, right? Yeah. It, it, nothing like, looked terribly new in the, in the teaser. I mean, we've seen the, you know, the, the cars blowing up and all that sort of stuff. Um, I really want to see, you know, a full on, uh, Hulk transformation moment maybe even um you know like a shield helicarrier uh, reveal and i kind of just want to know which aliens are they i mean they keep saying they're not the scrolls and all that well okay yeah. well who the hell are they <laughs> you know well i i think it's i think when they say it's not the scrolls my guess is that it's a matter of semantics because uh in the ultimate universe they have these guys who are like they're basically scrolls but they're sort of reimagined um and they look a little cooler they're more like um, they don't look like green, bumpy-headed lizards like the original scrolls. They can make their shapeshifters like the original scrolls, but their true form is more sinister and sort of insidious. Uh, and they're not—they don't generally go by the name scrolls. Uh, so I have a feeling it might be more of a call-out to that okay. race. Um, that's just a guess. I don't—I have nothing to back that up. Uh, but, uh, you know, the movies have pulled from the Ultimate Universe here and there for sure. So I wouldn't be surprised if, that, if it's something like that. Uh, I think the bigger question is whether or not someone like the Red Skull is also going to show up in it. 
uh, well, because you know, I know Feige, heard those rumors. Feige kind of shot that down, but at this point, I don't even know what to believe from any of these guys. I mean, <laughs> yeah, he's a he's a liar. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, he is a movie producer, and they, I think that's kind of part of their job description. Um, but uh, yeah, well, well, we'll know more once the uh, the actual Avengers thirty second spot is revealed. So only twenty more seconds to go. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, uh, that's not the only uh, uh, Super Bowl spot that was revealed this week. We also got one for G.I. Joe Retaliation, which showed uh, a little bit more of Bruce Willis and more of The Rock. And um, and I liked the uh, the whole, you know, ev- uh, invoking um, Jay-Z's immortal words in the in the words of the rock and uh yeah what what do you think what do you think of that uh that spot i just i just love the uh the the shot of the white you know we'd seen it before the shot of the white house with the flags coming down right. the cobra flags <laughs> uh <laughs> i just love that you know I, I feel like that they won just that shot alone won me over with this movie i had no interest in the movie before that and now i'm like all about it i just I love that concept <laughs> yeah no i'm so psyched uh, now for i can't believe that uh, i'm actually psyched for <laughs> for gi joe too do you think that bruce willis you know disappointed me. <laughs> do you think that bruce willis is uh they run the risk though of of um it becoming a bruce willis movie versus like i can see dwayne johnson melding in with the um the idea of G.I. Joe, right? And it being still being a G.I. Joe movie, kind of how in Fast Five he was able to, it was still a Fast and Furious movie. It wasn't his movie. Yeah, he's not but even in Fast I, Five all that much. You know? So, but with, I wonder if uh, Bruce Willis, like if he's just too big a star or something. Um, I don't know. Could... I think I think he's he's probably got a, a small but uh, important role. Um I, I'm just I'm suspecting, and I hope this isn't the case, like that he'll go bad or something, or that he turns out to be like the big villain or something like that. You know, I don't you just mm. kind of get that feeling, like you don't put Bruce Willis in the movie unless it's gonna like pay off in some really. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you might be right. Now, now I'm not psyched for it anymore. Oh. Now, that, <laughs> <laughs> now that I'm not, you basically spoiled it for me. No, because I don't you're think. Right. I don't think. Uh, I mean, that might not be true. I don't know anything that. Most of you don't. <laughs> oh, don't listen to me. I'm a fool. <laughs> but, but these Super Bowl spots, they do. Um, they. Uh, it feels like a lot of it is footage we've seen before too, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, uh, so far I haven't been really wowed by any of them. Uh, there was one for the dictator, and it's pretty much just a, a truncated version of the trailer. And you know? so yeah. there was nothing really new there. Um, I'm still waiting to see some of the John Carter stuff. I do suspect that that will probably be new footage because that's closer to release. And I think they really want to, um, maybe show the coolest, you know, action stuff that they have for the Super Bowl yeah. audience. Cause you know, they really need to make sure they get some asses and seats for that one next month. It's, it's now or never yeah. for, for John Carter. Right? Yeah, I know. And I think, um, uh, you know, I also think that, uh, uh, if they if they show any other you know if Universal has anything I think it's going to be a similar case with Battleship, uh, mm. you know I I can't imagine any other Universal movie maybe the Lorax but it just seems like the wrong audience uh, yeah. so I would imagine uh, there'll probably be a, a Battleship spot and um, so, you know I don't know so they're just not 
Universal's just not talking right now. They're just not admitting it, uh, it to it one way or the other. I, you know, I've been pressing them, and uh, I think they're still figuring it out. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not convinced that they're they're even certain yet which one they're going to show, but we'll see. Huh. You know, um, now let's uh, let's actually move on from there because there is some uh, Marvel movie news I want to get to. Uh, X Men First Class. You know, for a while there, we didn't think that. Uh, you know, it might get a sequel because it did well, but not great. Uh, but now we've learned that Matthew Vaughn is uh, all set to come back to direct uh, the the next movie, and the cast is, of course, already obligated to uh, to sequels. So, uh, how do you feel about that? That uh, X Men First Class Two, for lack of a better title, is moving forward and with Vaughn at the helm. Oh, I'm psyched. I mean, you know, it was maybe my favorite film from last year. Definitely my favorite geek film from last year and uh i think one thing that people need to remember is that uh while first class wasn't a huge success financially it um when the second one comes out you're going to have fastbender and jennifer lawrence are going to be big bigger stars at that point right so they're, they're going to be able to sell the movie in a way they didn't they couldn't really sell it the first time around. And there's going to be you a know? lot more uh, checks showing up to this movie, not that they've seen Flash, uh, <laughs> Flashbender, Fastbender, Schlong, and Shane. So, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I have a feeling that there, there's going to be a whole new audience now for that movie. <laughs> not just chicks necessarily <laughs> yeah. either. <right? laughs> yeah. But I'm psyched for it. You know, the, so the now the question is, what, when is it going to take place? What's the story going to be? The, of course, the rumors are... Not really even rumors. I think um, Matthew Vaughn had has previously said that he would like to start the movie with Magneto assassinating JFK, which is interesting. Oh my god, that would be something. I mean, why would he kill JFK just to just to stir up trouble? I don't know. I don't. I really don't know. I'm I, I'm not as smart as Magneto. I can't think like five <laughs> moves. Magneto has that Tony Soprano ability. You can see five moves ahead. Like right? you know? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. Uh, maybe he'll pin it on the um, the military or on uh, the good mutants or something. Who knows? Uh, but uh, pin it on Kevin Costner. I don't know. You know, I mean, uh, couldn't <laughs> couldn't the White Queen just have like uh, mind controlled uh, uh, Lee Harvey Oswald and or or the guy in the grassy knoll? You know. That's true. Yeah. Or at that point, why not mind control the president? Actually. Yeah. Implement all this pro mute pro mutant politics. Yeah, we've and... we've already proven that this movie's gonna suck. <laughs> <laughs> As with any X Men movie, I think one one fun geeky thing to do is to <clears throat> is to speculate as to what new mutants will show up because they go they always have to introduce a couple of new new familiar ones. Yeah, right? and also so... since it's technically still sort of within continuity, I mean, I guess you know, would we see you know. Uh, little kid versions of, of storm. I mean, we've got, we right. got beast and he was supposed to have known Halle Berry storm from back right. in the day. Would we get, you know, I mean, Cyclops and Jean gray still seem like they'd be too young. I mean, even, yeah. even storm is too young, but doesn't she have sort of like a, a, doesn't she live a little longer differently than, than other mutants or am I just mis? Uh, not that I know of, but I'm not I'm not totally up on my uh, my storm <laughs> history. Uh, Wolverine, of course, does. He has that that healing ability, would so he doesn't age very very fast. Uh, but I'm not sure about Storm. I think Halle Berry 
does not age at the same rate as, rate as a normal human being. That is true. That is true. She, she is well preserved. Um, it, you know, it does seem like if they put Hugh Jackman and um, uh, Hugh Jackman and uh, Michael Fassbender in the movie together, that would definitely guarantee, like, you know, uh, a lot more not only fanboy interest, but sort of just general audience interest as well. Um, but yeah. you know, and I, I just I wonder if though that if that would essentially screw up Wolverine 2 would it kind of tie into it somehow I, I don't know I don't know how you could actually bring Jackman in for more than just that cameo that he had the last time without just making a complete cluster yeah yeah you don't want too much Wolverine uh, at your local multiplex all at once <laughs> Wolverine, Wolverine 2 though it, it it keeps getting pushed off, right? What's the status of it now? Well, James Mangold is is still attached to direct it. They're they're revising the script, and uh, they wanted to film in uh, this year in Japan and um, Canada, but uh, that's about all I've heard on it right now. I mean, it's 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 not really. Um, uh, it doesn't seem to be on sort of the front burner because. Uh, Jackman is filming uh, Les Mis right now, and he also mm. had some stage uh, uh, obligations. So as soon <laughs> as soon as they actually, you know, uh, wrap up all these other things he's supposed to do, maybe then finally we'll get that Wolverine too. This time yeah, it'll be, yeah. you know, better than the last one. Um, <laughs> one hopes. Yeah. Well, you know, um, let's move on to a different uh, Marvel property. Amazing Spider-Man is is. Um, gearing up and it's got uh, uh there's a big uh, sony's doing this big um publicity uh event next week with um around the world and it's uh you know los angeles new york moscow tokyo london um and it's a uh, it's pretty much um a uh, um, uh a chance for people to see um about i believe about 15 minutes of the movie plus uh, you know, there's some rumblings that they'll show some other cool stuff. And, and it's just basically a big, huge promotional event. They've been projecting the Spider-Man logo on the sides of buildings uh, in different major cities around the world. Um, you can go to a website called theuntoldstorybegins.com and uh, try and get some tickets to attend one of these events if you if you live in or near one of those uh, major cities. There's about 13 cities around the world that they're doing these uh, global sneak peeks at. Again, it's uh, on February 6th. Uh, yeah, Monday. Yeah, now you're you're going to be attending one of those and, and uh, writing up uh, your impressions of it for us. Are you excited? Are you? How do you feel about this this new Spider-Man movie so far? Well, I, uh, I've actually got the Spider-Man logo projected on the side of my house. <laughs> uh, I didn't know you were sort of a make... like that. <laughs> Uh, I'm I'm excited for the movie. You know, I, I covered the panel at San Diego Comic-Con this past summer, so I saw some of the footage that I guess I guess no one else has really seen unless you were at Comic-Con. They first look at the lizard and some other stuff, and I thought it looked cool. You know, it's going to be a very different movie from the Sam uh, Raimi, Tobey Maguire, Spider-Man's, uh, and uh, I'm all for it. I'm all for th rebooting the superheroes, you know, because 
I you know I think they the comics have been rebooted so many times anyway. All these characters, it, there's no reason why you can't bring a new spin, uh, so to speak, to a character like Spider-Man. I I you know I was kind of bored with the Sam Raimi Spider-Man by the end of it, and I think this is this has the potential to be cool. Uh, what as to what they're going to show at the event on Monday? I wonder it, they're pushing this untold story thing, right? It's yeah, kind of the uh, you know according to the official synopsis. Um, Peter discovers a briefcase that uh, reveals some, you know, curious things about his his late parents and and his kind of journey to figure out his his past and his parents leads him to uh, Kirk Connors and of course Gwen Stacy who goes to school with Peter uh, just so happens to be you know like a lab assistant uh, with Kirk Connors so you know very convenient but. No. But yeah. you know what? I, I wish I had something like that in high school happen to me. What, finding a mysterious briefcase or having the hot chick be a science nerd? <laughs> the latter. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, your your parents were spies. Um, you know, it, you know that, that was in the comics. Uh, Peter's uh, parents were um, uh, were killed, right? They were spies? Or was it an accident yeah, or they, they murdered on purpose? Or I think they worked for S.H.I.E.L.D., Actually, so doesn't this basically make it abduction? <laughs> you know, <laughs> or that what's that, that that new one, the cold light of day, where Henry Cavill, uh, Bruce Bruce uh, Willis plays his dad, and he finds out his dad was like the CIA station chief. So I yeah, pretty much you know abduction meets Spider Man, I guess. <laughs> so I wonder how much of the footage that they show on Monday is going to be stuff involving the the parents and flashbacks and things. And if it's just going to kind of end with a little Spider-Man versus the lizard. Yeah. Bit, I bet you, you know, there'll, like... there'll be a little sizzle rail in there uh, of, of the lizard for sure. I, I would imagine, I would hope. And also uh, I, I would suspect that that footage will probably, and I, this is not me being coy. I don't know if they'll do this. If they're smart, they would release the, some of that footage online. Cause if you're showing this stuff all around the world, somebody somewhere is going to be able to get an iPhone in there and, and tape this stuff in the line on YouTube. Yeah. So, um, you yeah. know, it would be kind of cool if they kind of maybe revealed it online piecemeal, you know, like four minutes here and there. Yeah. You know, that great. could be kind of yeah, intense, totally. like maybe at IGN, if, if Sony, if you're listening send it this way, <laughs> um, uh, let's see, let's move on to a different property here. Um, Hasbro and universal, now, about four years ago, they signed this deal together where um, uh, Universal was going to turn several Hasbro properties, including uh, uh, Ouija Board and Candyland and Battleship into movies. Now, Battleship was the only one they ended up making. Uh, and now uh, it, it sounds like Universal is basically they had a regime change there uh, a couple of years back and the, the whole deal has cooled and now they've essentially they're not going to make any Hasbro movies. So Hasbro is now setting up these properties elsewhere. Stretch Armstrong, which was supposed to star Taylor Lautner is now set up at Relativity Media and they want to get that movie out by 2014. And then uh, Sony has acquired Candyland with Adam Sandler attached to star <laughs> and he's co-writing it with Robert Smigel from you know, Saturday Night Live fame. Uh, and of course, Battleship did end up getting mad, as we, we pointed out. You know, that was the only movie actually produced through the Universal Hasbro deal. Um, what do you think about this Candyland shit? <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, you know, to step back for a second, I sometimes I I, I can't help but think like, why are, why aren't am I not running the studio? But it seems so <laughs> seems so obvious to me back when this this deal was announced about this alliance with Hasbro that like so many of these ideas just didn't make sense as movies and it's like they sometimes they don't they don't look before they step right like uh, it's 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 the idea of a a branded property that people around the world know so we'll we'll make it work we'll figure it out and then they waste millions of dollars and you know five years before they realize now that's worth our trouble i guess and i guess that's why i'm here projecting a spider-man logo against the side of my house instead of <laughs> sitting in <laughs> sitting in his in an executive suite out in hollywood but uh you know i actually visited the set of battleship uh when they were filming it in hawaii and it looked that looked cool you know i don't know what people think of the trailers or not but i could see how something like that has potential Candyland, i don't know it's just going to wind up being an adam sandler movie you wouldn't necessarily need the even need the Candyland. Um, joke, right, or well, brand? You know necessarily. what? I, I, I suspect it'll end up being sort of like a Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, or worse, uh, like Cat in the Hat with Mike Myers. <laughs> I just saw that on uh, cable yeah. a few weeks ago. Uh, I'd been avoiding the movie for years, and then I finally just <laughs> was like, ah, "Screw it! I want to fall asleep to something." And of course, it was so bad I couldn't fall asleep. I kept well, like, "Oh my god, really?" going there with that um yeah i have a feeling it's going to be something ridiculous like that like you know what's the uh isn't it the the king or something right in Candyland? and i don't remember Candyland yeah. to tell you the truth i mean i really don't it remember. just seems it just seems like one of those things where like oh i'm gonna make it for the kids you know just you know yeah. i mean just when you thought jack and jill was probably the worst thing he could do Candyland. Candyland's either going to be like subversively brilliant which is going to be the most, you know, horrific thing that he could have churned out. Well, what happened to him? Because he was doing some interesting stuff not that long ago. Yeah. I mean, even, I mean, funny people tanked. Um, so maybe he didn't feel like he got scared. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, but he's not, or maybe he's just kind of lazy. He's like, look, I've, I've proven whatever I need to prove. And I just want to, you know, cash some checks and have fun hanging out with my friends. Uh, You know, I don't, it might not be anything more, complicated than that but he 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 did have that you know uh, narrow window there where you know he did things like punch drunk glove and even even though the movie wasn't great but rain over me he he did try to do something a little different with that one and then yeah. um yeah. uh i don't rem- i'm trying to remember what that is rain though. over me was the one with him and uh, i believe it was don Cheadle, and he was the uh, uh a guy who lost his family on 9-11 Oh, and he was basically right. just still traumatized and and um, having difficulty sort of readjusting society. And he meets Don Cheadle's character, and uh, right, you know right, it's right. Okay. It is, it's about healing and all that. But he he just you know I, I thought he was he was interesting. Like his performance was interesting in that movie, um, and it was like good movie. But he was he was fine in it, and I think it was um, you know. But that also didn't do well for him you know so you know he's always guaranteed to go and do something like a, a click or something like that you know right so what's up with uh, the other game pro- game hasbro game properties then are they like well, what's up with Mono- really scott's monopoly uh, all of these universal is not making any of them they're all uh basically hasbro is developing them on their own now and they're gonna try and find homes 
uh, for them elsewhere, like uh, the way Candyland ended up at Sony and Stretch Armstrong at Relativity. Uh, um, I'm a little, you know, I, I think of all of them, there were only two that I thought could maybe work. Uh, Ridley Scott doing a Monopoly movie, there's something about that that's kind of kind of interesting, you know? Um, mm. You know, I think it could be, you'd have to play it maybe sort of tongue-in-cheek. Um, and maybe maybe the Ouija movie could have worked, but, you know, Paranormal Activity already, you know, used that that gimmick to, uh, you know, yeah. good effect. And then also, uh, what was that movie from the 80s? Witchboard or something like that? <laughs> there was something, they made two of them, I remember. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> Sounds familiar. Well, let's, uh, let's move on here. Death Wish. Uh, the old Joe, oh, yeah. Joe Carnahan, who made The Grey, is is uh, is going to be remaking it for MGM, and he says that it's going to be uh, he's writing and directing it, and it's going to be based more on the original Brian Garfield novel rather than the Charles Bronson movie from '74. Uh, <clears throat> this one is going to be set in Los Angeles rather than New York, and uh, he said that he is writing a role for actor Frank uh, Grillo who was in The Grey and was also uh, in Warrior, who played Joel Egerton's trainer. Uh, but that the um, the main character, the vigilante character, that that's not the role he's writing for Frank Grillo. Uh, what do you, uh, you know, how, how accurate do you think everyone's prediction is that uh, it'll end up being Liam Neeson? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, to go back to the badass Liam Neeson theme from earlier it sure seems likely doesn't it and him and carnahan apparently have a good working relationship because they they did the gray and they did a team together yeah. right uh i uh i remember being traumatized by death wish oh yeah as a kid. oh yeah no it, i mean it's easy to to joke about uh the franchise now because it was uh it, it just devolved into just sort of mindless you know 80s action fair and it, it is kind of like the granddaddy of um those sort of just kind of shoot 'em ups from the '80s, but the original movie, you know, it's not a perfect movie, but there's there it, it kind of captured the um, the fears of that of that era and and the the just you're feeling like everything's gone out of control, that you know the cities have become just a cesspool, and that you know we we didn't have uh, you know you you had to look out for yourself. And that this, you know, guy who thought he was all open-minded and and, um, uh, and and well-adjusted, you know, gets pushed to his breaking point and uh, just lashes out, and that it, you know, could happen to anybody, sort of thing. So yeah, the original movie, I I, I still, you know, remember it fondly, and you know, when it's on cable, I'll, I'll watch it. Um, but I just don't know if, you know, didn't they try this basically a couple of years ago with Death Sentence, which was actually the second novel in that in that series by brian garfield and it was pretty much just you know the his book in name only but it was the same basic just as uh as death wish you know every man the yeah that uh, kevin, Ke kevin bacon movie yeah yeah i mean I, I, like they, they already tried that a couple of years ago and it and it, and it wasn't you know successful so I don't know yeah. quite what well, he's going to bring to it that's going to, you know, uh, make that seem besides just having name recognition like something that people are going to want to uh, connect with. Yeah, I don't know. They, I guess you got to try to make it relevant in some way. I don't know. Maybe the tie it into the uh, the economic crisis or something, right? Uh, the 
the, uh, man, the, he gets the, killed by stockbrokers. Yeah, yeah. The, he can't make the mortgage on his house, and he's gonna <laughs> he's gonna get the the guy at H and R Block or you know. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, uh, Justin Timberlake and Clint Eastwood are making a movie together. Oh, man. Doesn't that just kind of roll off the tongue naturally? Just saying that, it just seems like they go together, right? Uh, it's this baseball drama called Trouble with the Curve, and Amy Adams is also in it. And Timberlake is going to play Eastwood's buddy, a uh, uh, a baseball. Dog. Yeah, wow. Timberlake uh, and Eastwood. It, it, Timberlake and Eastwood. It sounds like a, a nice resort in Minnesota or something. Oregon, you know. Welcome to Timberlake and Eastwood Falls. You know. You know, like you could go on, like, you know, rappelling or something. Uh, I'm going to rattle off well, a couple of, Oh, actually, yeah. No, go ahead if you have some comments on this. I was just going to say the interesting thing about that is uh, I guess – well, Eastwood's not directing it. His his producing partner yeah. is making his directorial debut, right? Yeah. And I guess it's the first film since In the Line of Fire that Eastwood is starring in but did not direct. Hmm. Is it really – And that's – so you're – you're going back like what, like that's some, 19 years or yeah. something? I mean, I, I feel like he's he's acting in other people's movies, but he probably hasn't. Come to think of it, huh? That's what I read in Variety, or or I read that in one of the trades. So huh. I guess you can IMDb it to to make sure it's true. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, that um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I feel like uh, the project sounds interesting, but it could also be you know just that sort of treacle that you know. Clint, Clint will put out a, a really, you know, compelling movie, and then you know he's kind of like Woody Allen, where he does one really good one and then one kind of shoddy one, but he's always making yeah. movies. Um, and granted, yeah, he's not he's not directing this one, but you know, I, I just kind of get the um, uh, I just kind of get the feeling that this one is going to be sort of contrived, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, now let's move on to actually some other news right now. We have. Uh, uh, Noah, Darren Aronofsky's biblical epic Noah. Uh, he's looking at uh, either Russell Crowe uh, as as Noah and Liam Neeson, the ubiquitous Liam Neeson, as a uh, <laughs> unspecified role. Uh, you know, it seems like it's going to be a, a much more ass kicking uh, Noah's Ark story than I than I thought. You know, <laughs> Russell. Yeah, you know, had, maybe he. Yeah. You know? Maybe he'll have a death. Maybe. Uh... Liam Neeson is Liam Neeson playing Noah? No, uh, Russell Crowe would be Noah. They haven't closed any deals, but those are the front runners. Okay. So okay, I, I don't yeah. know. I mean, so, maybe, yeah. maybe Neeson's playing the giraffe or something that gets brought on the ark. <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe he's playing God. I, I don't know. <laughs> I just feel like. And then you have Spielberg. Noah is kind of it. Just I don't know. It's strange. It's strange casting. It's going to be a heavy set mo- uh, Noah also. E. Yeah, it's going to capsize the boat. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm just going to rattle off a couple of news items here. Uh, we don't necessarily have to comment on them, but um, uh, Viola Davis is the latest addition to uh, the cast of Ender's Game, and she'll be joining Harrison Ford, Ben Kingsley, uh, Asa Butterfield, Haley Seinfeld, Abigail Breslin uh, in in the movie, and it's from the director of Wolverine, and people have been waiting for this movie for a long time, and she's going to play a uh, military psychiatrist who – Basically, is there for the the welfare of the um, the younger students and helps design so, some of the the games to test them. 
Uh, and then Back to the Future might be Broadway bound. Apparently, Robert Zemeckis is looking at taking his time travel comedy to the uh, to the to the Great White Way, as I believe they call it. And uh, maybe it'll be a stage musical. And it'd be kind of, you know, it would be kind of funny if they did it just all like Huey Lewis music, you know, and they just burst. <laughs> I mean, it would kind of work. It sounds kitschy enough to actually be the approach they, that they would take, you know, like Mamma Mia brought back ABBA, you know. <laughs> sure. That would be awesome, actually. And then um, let's see. Uh, the Help and the Artist. Now, they have become sort of front runners in the, uh, in the Oscar race. They, of course both got nominated for best picture but what makes it the race now uh, there's a lot of tongues wagging about whether or not the help could actually pull an upset and win best picture over the uh the artist which seems to be the 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 odds on favorite um the help basically swept the uh the sag awards the screen actors guild awards uh there last weekend uh while the artist won um uh jean dujardin uh, best actor, everybody was at SAG Awards. Everybody was expecting George Clooney to get it, and he didn't. So, could we be looking at sort of like another Roberto Benigni thing, where you know the uh, the foreign actor trumps the uh, the American actor that everybody thought would win, like Nick Nolte? Uh, and then also, um, you know, the, the artist won the, the Directors Guild Award. Uh, and I'm not even going to bother trying to pronounce the director of the artist's name, but. <laughs> You know, since the acting block is a large, you know, block not not the the most dominant block in in, in Oscar voting, but it's it's a sizable block. Um, could could this SAG win sort of uh, spell trouble for the artist? You know, seemingly inevitable path to to you know best picture. Um, the the thing that would make it even more of an upset is that it wasn't nominated in any of the other major categories. Like uh, I don't believe it was nominated for editing. It wasn't nominated for direct any of the other categories where it would usually, you know, like uh, indicate that it's got a fighting chance at it. What do you think? Do you think right. it could pull it right. up? Right. Right. Well, what does the do the SAG awards traditionally have much, uh, are they much of an indicator uh, of how things go? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was with uh, Shakespeare in Love. It was, I believe, with the King's Speech. Um, things like that where it's, you know, the, the actors like to reward movies that are about, um, you know, that, that show off their performances. And, um, you know, they clearly Hollywood loves the artist and it just might win. Uh, it probably will win. But I think what makes it interesting is, the, the artist is a small movie that is only made, you know, like something like $15 million, maybe even a little less. Whereas the help is the, I believe is the biggest moneymaker of all the, the best picture nominees. It's a movie that by and large, the mainstream, uh, the folks that will be tuning in at home uh, to watch the Oscars will have seen. And so yeah. do you, <laughs> and, and the, I just, you know, we joke about this a lot, but you know, in the Academy's attempt to try and make themselves more relevant to the mainstream, you know, in kind of like post dark Knight and all the upset that it didn't get nominated and all that. So they extended out to up to 10 best picture nominees and they want to try and make it, um, you know, hipper and all that. Uh, last year, a world war two costume drama won. Now this year, uh, a, a black and white French silent movie could win. It doesn't seem like it's really going their way according to plan, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, but what do, you, do you think that the, the help, just given that sort of criteria, do you think that they could 
pull off uh, an upset. Uh, you know, I with when it comes to the Oscars, I nothing surprises me. I think it's possible. I, you know, I I don't think that it's right. Uh, <clears throat> I think it would just make uh, some people, some moviegoers, would be even more disillusioned by something like that. Uh, but it would probably make people like my mother-in-law happy so. <laughs> well you know they, they are there to keep her happy and smiling and whatever makes happy what do you think? makes you happy right <laughs> so right absolutely <laughs> um i think that the uh, i think the help has a, a fighting chance um i liked the movie i didn't love it um i i thought uh you know the emma stone character didn't really um i don't really see why she was there except to basically just be uh, a function you know just she's just there to be the one writing the book that will um or to get to the um uh the the servants played by viola davis and octavia spencer both of whom were probably going to win uh the oscars um to to open up and tell their story it, you know it kind of reminded me of like christian slater's the interview or an interview with a vampire you know <laughs> but it, it you know it's just um you know, I, I, Jessica Chastain was in there and she's nominated, but I thought her character was a little, I don't know, a little over the top. And yeah, so I don't think it's a particularly good movie, but I, I do think it's an accessible movie and it has enough sort of uh, of that sort of Oscar bait to it that it just might it just might win. But we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Um, all right. Well, I want to start wrapping it up here, uh, but I do want to give a plug for this um new thing that we're doing here at ign it's a dark knight rises uh newsletter so you can get all sorts of batman exclusive news updates uh, images everything um sent to you right to your inbox if you sign up uh, go to movies.ign.com and on our front page is a um uh, one of the cover stories this weekend will be uh, for the the for subscribing to the newsletter, uh, and basically it's it's a cool way to get all sorts of alerts and opinions and exclusives on uh, all things Batman. So please do sign up for it. It's uh, I've I've already seen the the mocks and it looks really good. And uh, you know you can't you can't go wrong with anything Dark Knight Rises is related. Uh, says the man. Yeah, not yet, anyway. Yes, exactly. I'm so I'm so. I have such blind faith in this thing now that I'm convincing myself that it'll be, you know, the greatest thing since, uh, since the fart. The dark night. <laughs> yeah, since the dark. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, all right, well, uh, let's uh, let's look at what's opening up this week, and we have um, the Woman in Black, starring a post Harry Potter, Daniel Radcliffe, uh, Big Miracle. Uh, with uh, John Krasinski and Drew Barrymore, and Chronicle, which is the found footage uh, kind of superhero movie. That yeah. screens. That's the Chronicles opening up in 2,800 screens. Big Miracles on 1,900 screens, and The Woman in Black is in 2,700 screens. Um, I saw Chronicle and I loved it. I, I really um, urge you guys to get out there and see it. I have not seen The Woman in Black, but I probably will. Although our own Chris Tilly uh, panned it in his review, he said that Daniel Radcliffe uh, was just miscast in it, that he wasn't, he didn't have enough gravitas yet for it. And, and he likes Radcliffe generally, so you know, that does sound, sound kind of uh, disappointing. And we'll see sort of how Radcliffe uh, 
adjusts post Harry Potter uh, to his film career. But if anything, you know, his he's had some success on the stage. So maybe he'll go and do theater for a few years until he looks a little older, you know. <laughs> uh, what, what do you think is going to yeah. open at number one this weekend? Do you think uh, the gray could, could hold on to number one, or do you think Chronicle or Woman in Black? Uh, I haven't seen Chronicle or Woman in Black. I'm dying to see Chronicle, but my gut tells me that uh, – don't forget, it's Super Bowl weekend True. too. So uh, I think Chronicle will, will take number one actually. Um, I'm thinking it's going to do maybe like – in the 16 million range, okay. something like okay. that. How do you think woman in black will do? Will that be number two? Or do you think the gray will, will hold on there? I, I think in the, I think the woman in black and the gray are going to, are going to kind of be neck and neck. Uh, I'm guessing maybe around 12 million each. Okay. Something like that. And uh, do you think big miracle? It's only on 1900 screens, but it is sort of a family friendly movie and all that. Do you think that will maybe be one of those movies that'll end up having legs and sort of it might open modestly, but could hang in there a little longer than the rest? Uh, you know what? I'm not sure. I'm not clear on what else is what other family films are coming in the near future. But I would I would think it'll at least open at, at number four. I don't see any anything else out there. Um, this, what else is well, out there? Underworld right now? Awakening Kid. is out there for kids. Uh, not really much else out there for kids right now. But um, I, I, I'm gonna I'm yeah. gonna go with Chronicle at number one. I'm gonna go uh, 22 million. I'm gonna say wow. the Gray second place with uh, I'm gonna say 15 million, and then Woman in Black third place with about 14 million, and then uh, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say. Uh, Underworld Awakening in fourth place, and then Big Miracle in fifth place. I'm going to say Miracle oh, wow. ten, and uh, actually no, you know what? No, I'm going to go Big Miracle fourth place. I'm going to say ten, then Underworld, and fifth place with about uh, eight. So, um, all right. Well, I think that might just about do it for this week's podcast. Again, the uh, Super Bowl is on Sunday, so if you're a football fan, I hope your team wins. Go Pats! And, uh, you know, uh, um, of course, if you watch it, do keep your eyes uh, peeled for all those movie commercials. If you miss them, though, if you miss them, IGN Movies will have uh, all of the story, uh, all of the trailers embedded into one easy, handy dandy feature that will run Sunday night. And you can watch all the all the movie spots right there and then Um, until next time. Thanks for listening. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Later.